In the heart of the state of the art, at the dawn of the next stage in entertainment, you found no proscenium. have indeed found No Proscenium, the voice of everything immersive. I'm your host, Noah Nelson, and welcome to a special mini-sode episode of the No Pro Podcast featuring yours truly, and some thoughts about this week's Apple Vision Pro announcement, and a bit of the work on display at Tribeca Immersive this year, which we've been lucky enough to check out from far, far away. Uh, Before we get into all that, I want to thank everyone who came to the Next Stage Immersive Summit here in Los Angeles. It was four long, horrible years of us waiting to get this thing on. Uh, Just uh, as everyone knows, you know, you know, the origin story, you know, doomed planet, uh, small rocket ship, kindly parent. No, um. (laughs) You know that uh, we, we were supposed to go in March of 2020. We all know what happened. Uh, and we finally got it done. It is now it is now in our rearview mirror. And uh, there is more in front of us. And I am excited for what the future is going to be. It was really invigorating to see all of you mingling and mixing with each other. Um, you can still hear that my voice is a little blown out uh, from the weekend. No, I'm not sick. It's just I was talking so much. Uh, that, that it, it hasn't recovered yet. Um, and even then, I didn't get to see nearly uh, as many people as I'd like to. Um, that's that's the nature of this every time. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to work on that because uh, uh, I need to spend more time with all of you and less time doing things during it. Uh, we'll work it out. We'll figure it out. We're still small. It's a small and mighty team. Uh, big thanks, of course, to Catherine Yu and Eric Vossmeyer, who are my co-organizers in this one. I uh, also want to give a big thanks Thanks to uh, Corinne Wicks, who was our volunteer coordinator, and all of our volunteers. Uh, special shouts out to uh, Parker and Patrick and Kevin from the NoPro team for coming through. Just all kinds of folks. And uh, I hope those of you who got a chance to come out had a good time. And I hope those of you who uh, missed out this year uh, get to, to come around when we do our next thing. Uh, whenever that is going to be. Uh, we don't have definitive dates for the next one yet, uh, but uh, fret not, uh, we will have something out as soon as we've got something concrete to tell you uh, in all kinds of dimensions. Um, before I get into the monologue, uh, and this is just going to be a monologue this time, uh, mostly because I've been I've been too busy to run around. I think, I think Scott... Stein and, and Kent by uh, uh, got together. We'd be on Kent's podcast to talk about their reactions. Uh, normally, normally you try and get everybody on the show over here. <laughs> um, uh, but I do want to thank our incredible Patreon backers uh, for keeping this show alive. Uh, it, it really got down to the wire last month. Um, and, uh, I am now in like the scary time where if we lose people, I just go, Oh God, how? Uh, so, uh, if you can, if this show is valuable to you, know a couple of things, one, as little as two or $5 a month makes a huge difference. Uh, $5 are particularly a, a good sweet spot because of course, you know, Patreon gets their cut, the, 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 the 
payment processor gets their cut. So um, a two dollar pledge works out to like a dollar uh, on my end. Uh, Five dollars is a little bit better in terms of what the percentages wind up being. Um, and then because people are asking, I have upped the number of $49 a month uh, backer uh, options there are, and also upped uh, the $75 range. So if per chance you're on the on the, the heavier side in terms of what you can do, uh, there there's more there as well. Uh, really, any amount, uh, Patreon doesn't really care. Uh, those tiers are just there. You can put in whatever dollar amount you want. Everything helps. Uh, to keep the show going, to keep NoPro going, to keep everything immersive going, uh, and uh, to, to let us get to what the, the next big gag is going to be and maybe pay down some of the debt from the past few years, of which there's a lot. Um, Patreon.com slash no proscenium. All right, enough of that. Enough of that. Um, let me, though, thank our sustaining backers Samuel Mustry, Chris Woolman, Samantha Davison, Eric Shamlin, Elaine, Daryl, John Bullett. Jay Bushman, Jerome Joseph Gentes, Tom Leonetti McGuire, Kurt Collins, Winthorne, Ryan, David Bassick, Richard Ayers, Lonnie Hanson, Lecker LeCool, the Ministry of Peculiarities, and Jan Budman. Thank you all. Literally keep a roof over my head. And uh, if you want to work out something special with us, uh, hit me up at noah at noprosinium.com. Uh, we can do that. We can do that. I can I can do whatever I want. It's, it's my show. Um, all right. Five, five minutes of, of preamble, right? Uh, that's sometimes the, the way it goes. Um, let's talk Vision Pro. Um, I'm sure by now you've, you've seen a gajillion things about it, so I'm going to spare you some of the details and just get my uh, impression to you. Uh, I was... Here's the funny thing about WWDC this, this year. Um, I was very tired <laughs> when it started at 10 a.m. Pacific on Monday because we had wrapped the show the day before. Uh, well, physically wrapped it. There's still financial wrap and everything else. Um, and I, I, through the beginning of it, all the way up to the Vision Pro, I was kind of getting hyped because Apple was showing off things with uh, the iPhone, with AirPods, and with iPadOS that really spoke to how they were starting to understand and, and implement spatial computing with the devices that we already use all the time. I think one of the more interesting things was watching uh, sort of uh, in the Freeform app, they had people side by side sketching. So if I've got an iPad and you've got an iPad, we can doodle together. We can have shared digital experiences. Uh, you know, uh, they had a whole section of like, you know, where people is like tapping their phones against each other to like, you know, share contact information, which is honestly that there've been apps that have been doing that for like some time. And I guess like, you know what, Android phones has been doing it forever, right? Cue, cue the Android people like oh, our phones. Have always done. Yeah, we know, we know, trust me, we know you, you won't stop telling us. Sorry, Android people, but you know, that's how it goes. Um, <laughs> that's how you are. Um, and as Apple people, we're terrible too. We're all terrible. We're terrible with our, our, our tech fetishes. Um, uh, but, but I started to see a theory of the case be displayed in terms of, uh, this idea of people in space with technology and people in space with technology, using it together. That ethos was really interesting to me. And then the vision pro announcement started. And look, I don't think there's every, anything that's ever been more barking up the wrong tree than the whole, you can see of a, a digital version of the person's eyes. Like that's, you're not looking at the person's actual eyes. You're not, 
you're just you're not so it's fake it's simulacra and um you know there's people out there i guess what palmer lucky uh, you know, the, the guy who did the Oculus Kickstarter and then sold his company to Facebook for a whole lot of money and then became a weapons manufacturer or, or not a weapons manufacturer, but like, you know, drone sensor manufacturer, right? He's all, oh, I think, you know, pass through is the future of human vision. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's just not. That's 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 a patently ridiculous statement. We're not all going to be running around with these things on our faces all the time. The whole idea that, you know, we're going to solve for this issue of like when you come up to someone and, uh, you know, they need to talk to you. So it's a more human experience by looking at the eyes. No, it's called lift the thing off your face. That is that is if you really need to engage with someone, that's what you're going to do. In the moment where you need to see that someone's talking to you and have and have a brief thing, the sort of breakthrough is what Apple calls it, right? You know, the, that breakthrough moment in AR. And remember, Apple's positioned this as an AR device more than anything, right? Even though it's got you know the the looks and the spec of a VR headset, um, th- that breakthrough stuff that's good, right? That is good. I'm I'm straight up going to say that's good. The the UX stuff that Apple has done in here. Uh, from all reports, uh, and I've been reading a lot of reports, is good. It feels like they've cracked the OS, which, you know, going into the day, the number one thing I wanted to see out of this announcement was that they had cracked the OS, and it looks like they've definitely done it, right? You know, they say that between the eye tracking, like if you're looking at an icon and you've just got your hand, you know, in your lap, if you just tap your thumb and finger together while you're looking at an icon, it triggers a tap, right? And it feels really natural. Um, that is going to be incredible if it does indeed work consistently across all things. I've always found hand tracking stuff to be pretty hinky. We'll get into that in a minute about something that was amazing that I saw on a quest, on a quest two this week in Tribeca that honestly, the kind of thing that I wish Apple has shown off, we'll get to that in a second, but it feels like they've cracked the OS. Um, What we did not see in that entire announcement, which was to me for something that's at WWDC, which is the Worldwide Developers Conference, which is primarily targeted to developers 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 um sorry um if you know you know uh that uh this announcement because it was unveiling the product for the first time was was really seemingly really consumer focused but trying to mostly reassure everyone that this thing would do all the computing stuff and the basic entertainment stuff you might want to do and have access to all the things you already have in the apple ecosystem which as someone who who owns or who has access because of family to, to a lot of Apple kit who, who makes this show on Apple device, who, who has an iPhone, who, you know, got an, got an iPad for his mother, for her doing her, her, her iPhone, her, her therapy appointments. Right. You know, and who reads comic books on an iPad, right. For someone who is engrossed for someone who uses Apple music because he's been using Apple music for, he was using iTunes for so long that he didn't want to lose access to his CD collection. They uploaded to iTunes, right? I didn't see anything in that whole deal that made me go, Oh, this is that step beyond 
this is the immersive thing that I can't, I, I can't wait to play with. Not that I can't live without, because I'm not expecting that right now, but that I can't wait to play with. The closest we got was the sizzle reel that Disney did. Um, which, which I, I just said that, you know, it sounded like I had some contempt in my voice, but like that was in contempt for Disney because I know what they're capable of. Indeed, I, I did expect maybe a little more. I wanted to see something out of ILM immersive, which is what ILM X lab has become. Um, I wanted to see a little bit more out of that, but all of the kind of whiz bang future characters jumping out, you know, like a room's filling with water stuff that was in the Disney sizzle reel. And, and not in Apple's own stuff. There was nothing that sort of pointed to the direction of the wow that this device could do to create unique experiences that can only be possible because of augmented or virtual reality with the exception of the rather cool sounding you know, digital crown virtual environment where it's like tap a button, twist a knob, and suddenly you can, you know, be in the Sequoia National Forest instead of in your living room. Um, that's all well and good, but that's a $3,500 desktop wallpaper projection device is is what you've just suggested, or a uh, $3,500 big screen TV replacement device, but a big screen TV that you can't share with anyone that you have to be have a mediated experience where the the digital version of your eyes are communicating for you. So I was sort of profoundly disappointed in 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 the moment and in the wake of it. Like I mean literally all I if you had just shown someone using an apple pencil to draw gravity sketch style, right? Or or even just to draw on a table and, 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 or paint on a table, on a surface. If you'd shown me that, I would have been more excited with, from what we saw that day. Now, I've, I've read a fair amount. I want to point to, and I'll, I'll drop in the show notes, uh, John Gruber, who's sort of like, you know, the ultimate Apple fanboy. Um, he'd probably object to fanboy. He'd probably curse about it, but you know, it, it's true, dude. Um, he's, he, I've, I've long turned to him for sort of the, the, the Apple faithful point of view. Uh, but he's also very rigorous in his thinking. Like the guy is super rigorous in his thinking about it, uh, and, and goes long form. And they, of course, you know, gave him 30 minutes with the device. Um, and the thing that was interesting that I want to, I want to share from his report, um, quite specifically, um, was a bit about the sports. So the, the last thing that he saw, this one paragraph. Lastly, we saw two sports demos, an at-bat from a baseball game at Fenway Park, parenthetical, Phil Schiller's hands are all over that one, in parenthetical, and a scoring play from a Nugget Suns NBA basketball game. For the baseball game, the perspective wasn't even from the stands, but rather from the home team's dugout, ground level, right behind first base. It's not quite just like being there, but it's a lot like being there. It's more realistic than seems possible. You choose where to direct your gaze, at the batter at home plate, at the pitcher, or out in the outfield. 
or above the outfielders at the scoreboard. For the NBA game, the perspective was courtside, right behind the basket, but better than the actual courtside perspective because the perspective was slightly elevated above seating level. Fully immersive, fully three-dimensional, and seemingly perfectly to scale. Kevin Durant looked about 6'10 right in front of me. Getting the scale just right is obviously the correct way to present this, but it seems devilishly trickly to to actually pull off. Apple has pulled it off. These baseball and basketball scenes were shot by Apple using entirely custom camera rigs and stored in altogether new file formats. Okay, I'm I'm, I'm not going to go beyond that. Um, another thing uh, that that just also happened kind of around this time that people are probably going to miss is that uh, Lionel Messi, Messi, right, like the 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 soccer star, uh, is doing what a lot of soccer stars later in their years do. Uh, he's he's leaving Europe or leaving his home country and going to go play in the United States. He's going to go play for Miami and Apple has the MLS um, broadcast or streamcast license. And, uh, and, and basically that means Apple has Messi now, right? From, from a, from a global media point of view, Apple has Messi. Imagine if you will, these cameras that, that Gruber is talking about being used to capture football with Messi in that format. Um, live sports, much the way that Cosm is betting on live sports in the you know, projected immersive scenario, this could be, if you want to talk about killer app, that's a possibility. Another possibility is think about Apple Music, and this, this device has got a lot of sound going on, uh, a lot of sound going on. This device has incredibly sophisticated audio drivers that are creating immersive sound and that are also taking into account the acoustics of the room that you're in. It's basically a HomePod on your head, right? This is everything, right? It's basically all of Apple's technologies shoved onto your head. It's why it's so expensive. Imagine if you will, you are on stage with Taylor Swift or you're just off stage or you're downstage center you write in the crowd, right? Imagine if you will, that you're there in the heart or maybe even to me more interesting, imagine music videos, an entire new dimension, a new era of music videos developed with this in mind. One of the first things I saw in the old days of, of VR Back in the Oculus Go days, one of the first things I saw that really impressed me was a music video that Chris Milk made um, of, uh, I can't remember the exact song it was, but it was a U2 song, and each of the guys was at one of the cardinal points around you and playing, and then as the song went on, uh, the the screen would sort of do a little bit of a wipe on certain of them, and they'd replace you know, Bono or The Edge or or Larry or Adam. Yeah, I'm a YouTube guy. Um, they would replace them with, uh, you know, a sitar player or a, a kid in their uh, bedroom, someone doing a cover of of that part of the song. And it was, it was I think it was a song for someone. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was a song for someone. I'm sorry. I'm revealing this part of me that I'm always embarrassed about that I'm a YouTube guy. Um, so, um, I just am I'm of a certain age. Uh, so it was, it was so beautiful though. I mean, Chris Milk is a really great filmmaker and, uh, and, and just a savant of, of 360 film. And it was, it was perfect. 
and and no one's really recaptured. Uh, you know, Within did some more music videos. Some were good. Some were bad. There was a Muse one I didn't really like. Um, imagine if you will, though, a Tiny Desk concert with Billie Eilish or a Tiny Desk concert with Snoop Dogg, right? Like something something that you couldn't get, or just like you know, I don't know, Tuvalu's in your house, um, Nine Inch Nails is in your kitchen, right? Like the possibilities start to go and Apple has these really deep music relationships, but we saw none of that. And I worry not about the product's ability to deliver things of that nature. It's getting pretty clear to me that the product can do a good chunk of it, if not all of that, but about the story that's developed because of what they presented, because of the price of the device. Um, we, we, will, we will see how it all settles out, and we will see if enough developers at the Worldwide Developer Conference are inspired to take up this device and start messing around with it. With a device which they did announce like the next day that Rec Room is going to be available, right? So it's not like the, the universe of possibilities isn't there, but you know... Um, there, there are some technical hurdles. Like I'm still, I'm, I'm not clear. I don't think that, uh, unreal engine is going to be supporting this and unreal. You know, there's a lot of unreal, uh, in, in the, in the digital effects pipeline in video games. It's a massive, massive piece of middleware. And because Apple and Epic have been at war legally and Apple pulled Epic's, uh, developer license, um, that's, that's a pretty significant, and we may be in a situation for those, those old enough to remember, um, or, or who cared enough back in the days or enough of a tech nerd. Cause I think a lot of people were my age wouldn't remember this, but, um, you know, uh, the iPhone famously didn't have flash because Steve jobs hated flash and thought it was a bad program. And, uh, that killed flash. And I don't, I don't mean I don't, I don't mean the superhero. If you don't know who that is, like flash was something Adobe had and, and websites used it all the time to, to drive video assets and interactives. Um, I, I, unreal is not flash. Unreal is too important to all kinds of 3d rendering, all kinds of, of pipeline. And it's just prettier than unity, which is the other option. Uh, so we're very, we're in real interesting, you know, space because of that. And I know folks like Alex Kalum have a lot of thoughts about that. He teaches, uh, unreal all the time. He does all the pixel streaming stuff. I'll have to get Alex on the show to talk about it, uh, at some point, but, um, you know, that's, that's a whole kettle of fish. Uh, that's, that's a real, that's a real issue, an unreal issue, if you will. Um, which makes for well no no i'll do a segue later um this is going longer than i thought but um this needs a second launch once developers have got their hands on it and done some interesting things with it and i hope to see some of the brilliant work that's been happening in the xr space over the past couple of years get adapted here into this new platform uh definitely in time for whatever consumer grade version of this Apple releases in a year or so since they did position us as, as the vision pro. Uh, so it could be really expensive and not the Apple vision, which I would hope would come in at, you know, $1,500. Uh, 
which is a ridiculous thing to say when Oculus three, uh, when the quest three is coming in at $500. Uh, and, um, Looks have a fair number of compelling experiences being lined up for it. So just, you know, we're in it now, a battle of the Titans, uh, a battle for reality and a battle that involves the real and the unreal. Speaking of the real unreal, reality is unreeling at Meow Wolf's latest permanent exhibition titled The Real Unreal, opening July 14th in Grapevine, Texas, deep in the heart of the Dallas-Fort Worth, Com Metro Fort Worth Metroplex. Meow Wolf Grapevine will be the fourth location for the arts and entertainment company known for creating transformative, interactive experiences of story and exploration for all ages. You're probably wondering if tickets are on sale, and yes, they are, and yes, you should buy them now at meow.wf grape. If you still want to know what a Meow Wolf is, try getting lost at Santa Fe's House of Eternal Return, Las Vegas's Omega Mart, or Denver's Convergence Station, where curiosity reigns supreme and familiar spaces lead to spectacular worlds made out of weird art that are still somehow for everybody. A Meow Wolf experience is innovative, imaginative, and other words, too. The new exhibition will open in Grapevine Mills, a shopping mall already featuring a range of experiential offerings. In addition to groundbreaking installations, the real Unreal will expand on the Meow Wolf story universe while following a tradition of engaging local artists to build out an accessible, explorable multimedia space. And just like the previous three locations, Grapevine will offer a unique experience, as will Meow Wolf's upcoming exhibition in Houston. So if you're immersed in Meow Wolf's distinctive brand of storytelling, Texas holds the keys to the next chapters. This is your first time hearing about Meow Wolf, though, don't worry. There's no right or wrong way to enjoy the art or engage with the stories. Book your tickets for The Real Unreal today at meow.wf grape. You see, I was trying to, trying to make the transition earlier, and, and I botched it. But, you know, we do what we can. Um, all right. Uh, wow, I went a long time. 20 minutes on the Vision Pro. What do we expect? Uh, let's talk at least a little bit about what's going on at Tribeca. Um, I was lucky enough in that uh, one of the, the PR firms uh, that we work with sometimes uh, slipped me uh, some of the stuff they're showing off because um, we were running around and, and didn't get our credentials for Tribeca this year. Um there were two things on that slate that I was really, that I was pretty impressed by. Um, I'll start with the one, uh, I'll start with the Pirate Queen, a Forgotten Legend, uh, which is in the Storyscapes competition. Uh, this is uh, the, 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 a real life story about a 19th century uh, a pirate. Uh, queen in China. Uh, it's a woman who became like the one of the most powerful pirates in all of history. I've had friends tell me about this story before. It's it's really cool. Um, one of the fun things about this piece is that Lucy Liu is uh, an executive producer and is the voice of our, our heroine, who you embody in kind of this um, sort of escape room adventure style narrative. This is kind of, in terms of its structure, the closest thing to Vader Immortal I've done in some time, except it's, it's with a historical figure. So, um, this is a really interesting way to do embodied historical narrative. Um, and they're, they're working on this story, I guess in the notes here, it says, you know, this is part of an expansive franchise currently being developed as a graphic novel, TV series and podcast, uh, with Beijing China's, uh, seesaw films. Uh, but this was this was really um, this was a really fun way to approach the materials. Um, I, I definitely had some frustrations 
around uh, sort of just figuring out what I was supposed to do at certain points. Um, I think some of that had to do with like the, the flow of it all. Um, but as the, and there were times when I got kind of like caught behind things, but you know, these are usually relatively early on in terms of the builds. Uh, and I think a fair amount of that's going to get ironed out as it becomes uh, available to more, to wider audiences. But this was, this was some good storytelling and I think real evidence that, you know, the best narrative format for experiential VR is the adventure game is something that evokes all of those tropes. And so if you get a chance to check this out, if it comes through another festival or if it releases at some point, I'm sure it'll release at some point, um, you know, definitely check out the pirate queen, a forgotten legend. Um, the story is, and, and, and go, go look up about, uh, about this character. If you just type in the pirate queen in China, like you'll, you'll get this wonderful, uh, wonderful history. It'll be laid out in front of you. The other piece, and this was the one that I got super excited about. And uh, the kind of piece that I wish Apple had shown off as part of their demo. This is uh, Monsterama. Uh, and I'll just read this blurb. Uh, Welcome to Monsterama, a hidden museum housing the largest collection of monsters in all of human history. Using the latest mixed reality features, Monsterama allows audiences to be immersed in the experience of their own real life environment. So let me just tell you what happened. So this thing starts off. So first off, um, it was on the Quest 2. And it caused me to do something I never had to do in the quest before, which was to like set my room up for pass through. I had to like sketch out where my walls were, uh, sketch out where the door was. Like it was a little intense in terms of setup. And then once I did that, it turned one of the walls in my room and into part of the, the fictional environment. It turned my ceiling into part of the fictional environment and then had the characters moving about my room, flying around my room, leaping through portals into my room, right where I make this podcast. And I was bowled over. I had not seen that intense of, of an augmented reality experience to scale ever, ever, full stop ever. I've messed around with the original Magic Leap. I've messed around with both hollow lenses. They did not provide the visceral thrill that watching a werewolf jump into my room did. That watching an Andy Serkis voiced robot clockwork robot character tell me a story hovering hovering in, in my workspace did. This level of mixed reality, this kind of full pass through AR. This is really, really wonderful. This is the stuff that I wanted to see the vision pro do. And while <laughs> I will pretty much never agree with Palmer lucky about anything. Uh, and I fully disagree about pass through video being the future of human sight as someone quoted him saying today. And maybe that's an erroneous quote, but um, it won't be the future of human sight, but as a major form of entertainment, as, as sort of the, the proof that augmented reality can, can create compelling experiences. You just can't have any other way. Well, 
let me tell you, Monsterama is big evidence of that. Um, it's definitely in development. Uh, it, it, we got a vertical slice of, of this experience. Um, but my God, really, really fantastic. And if you're running around Tribeca and there's still time or whenever this pops up anywhere, in any way, shape or form, download it, get your hands on it because it just pops. And, um, the hand tracking didn't work so great for me. Um, so I wound up using controllers. Uh, don't, I didn't troubleshoot and figure out exactly why, but this is definitely one of those things that I hope does get ported over to, uh, the Apple vision. Um, poking around a bit. Uh, I, I can't find if they built it in unreal or in unity, but luckily I did see a few people involved in the project. Do I know? So I'll, uh, I'll go ask them and, and we'll see if there may be some, some plans there. Uh, not that not that it matters not like any of us have a vision pro. So just, just trying to, trying to piece the whole big picture together, right. And see how this all gonna, gonna, gonna work out. Um, all right, that's enough. Uh, that was a that was a half hour monologue for me. So uh, sorry, you're welcome. I, I'm never I'm never quite sure with this. Uh, next week on the show, we've got a regular show. Um, we'll have uh, I believe we've got Monica Miklas of RWS Entertainment, also uh, known to a lot of folks here as being part of Capital W. Uh, that's been recorded. Uh, Monica will be uh, here with us, and uh, who knows? Maybe uh, we might uh, might find some time next week uh, to talk to some other people and get some more things uh, going on. And then uh, we've got a lot of fun options coming up. A lot of great interviews uh, coming up this month, and uh, I will have got my energy back, or I'm close to getting my energy back. So. So uh, let's do the end credits. Um, here's some fun. I got to see everybody in the end credits this week. So the associate producer uh, of this podcast is Parker Sella, who is a real person who I have met. Music for No Persinium is by Chris Porter of the Speakeasy Society and Solder of the Podcast, who I knew was a real person and who I had already met, but I got to see. And of course, I definitely know that uh, Siobhan O'Loughlin, who gets special thanks for voicing our intro, I definitely know that Siobhan is a real person. So, uh, and was also at the event and, and hosting one of the sessions. So, uh, this podcast is written, edited, hosted, produced, ruined, and then made better again by yours truly. I'm Noah Nelson, and until next time, I'll see you at the show. 